This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is September 13th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Look, if you're a database engineer, I've been saying it a lot, but seriously, we have some amazing projects. We want to meet you. Uh, we have a possible full-time position open for you. If you know somebody who is a database engineer, reach out to them. Guys, we are looking for this position, and for us to make the things that we want to make, we need to find this person. So help us find them. Let's do it. Let's make some great things together. Okay. Jose Budo was my lead yesterday. Five innings, one earned run, two hits, three walks, and seven strikeouts. 17 whiffs. Whoa. What is going on here? Is this the guy you want to go after? I don't know. I think for 15-teamers, yes. 12-teamers, I don't know. Not so much. Why is that? Because this was a night of really good Blake Snell blueprint of four seamers up and changeups down. The changeup at 13 whiffs. Amazing. And it was about 13 called strikes on the four seamer up. Awesome to see it. It was against the Diamondbacks. He gets the Marlins next. I think that's okay. But I do want to acknowledge this was the peak for Budo. And it was still three walks in only five innings. He was not efficient. 91 pitches. I don't expect to see both that four-seamer command and that changeup command. The fastball was at 95 last time. It was down to 93.7. So it was lower than it was in the previous one. And when I see a guy have a kind of night like this where it's really squeezing the most out of what he has and it's focused mostly on precision and command when he didn't really have that before. I mean, he had goodish command, but not like it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't this. I feel like that's a little bit of a trap. However, it is the Marlins, not the most intimidating team. You might want to take a chance there. At the very least, after that, it's not good as far as the matchups go. So you're not going to go after him after this one. 12-teamers, I don't feel like I have to. He's going to be maybe at the the bottom of questionable. Sorry, top of questionable, maybe bottom of probable. That's how I feel about it. I'm like, okay, you know what? If you don't have anything, fine, go with it. 15-teamers were doing this one. Uh, Brian Wu absolutely surprised me. I mean, really, every single concern I have, save for one, was pushed aside. Because Brian Wu went 5.2 innings and 83 pitches. So all of the question marks I had about his longevity, gone. His, uh, his strikeout rate was there. Zero walks. 20 whiffs, 40% CSW, 4 golden goals. Zero earned runs, 4 hits. As his 4-seamer earned 13 whiffs here, uh, over 47 thrown. 40% CSW on that. And you had sinkers that were over the plate, not really well commanded, changeups that were whatever, and sliders and cutters that were fine. Strikes, but it was really just a four seamer just dominating inside the zone against the Angels. Now, the velocity, though, was down. It was not 
the 95 we saw was still down a tick for Brian Wu, which is, uh, okay, that's still a little bit concerning. Now he gets the athletics next, and we're obviously going to do that. And maybe if he's just so good there, we're going to roll the dice against the Rangers, because, I mean, I've been saying the Rangers are an elite offense. No Adelise Garcia. They've been a little worse. I think they're still really good, and that's still very risky. But me saying, look, Brian Wu, we're kind of ignoring. I take that back. I messed up. I mean, this is not what all what I expected based on the information we had. So, cool to see it. And I hope that Brian Wu does amazing things against athletics to make it, make us at least be encouraged for the Rangers and say, okay, look, that's bad. We're not going to do the last one. Or maybe it's good enough that we do it again. We'll see. Max Scherzer left his start with a right triceps spasm. And it's possible we don't see him for the rest of the year now, which is so, so frustrating. I mean, if I'm the Rangers... It's a very interesting situation because you're battling for that playoff spot, but you're going to try as much as you can to not push Scherzer. Look, if he if they make the playoffs, they need to have Scherzer healthy, right? And it's really, what, three starts left for Scherzer? So that's three games you have to figure out with Scherzer that aren't automatic wins. I mean, glad you got this one. 5 point innings, zero in runs, two Ks against the, the, the Jays. But, yeah, it's... Uh, if I'm the Rangers, like you got to be careful with it. Don't overextend because if you try to push it, it's not necessarily a win because he went right. Um, it's a kind of interesting actually. On when I did the list this past week, what the, I always get some negative comment on Reddit. So there's some criticism somewhere, and I always try and figure out what it is beforehand. Did not know what it would be this week. It was Max Scherzer. It was saying that he is a ticking time bomb and he's fatigued and he's, he's going to be messed up. And what do you know? This guy got it right with a right tricep spasm at the same time. It was a very productive start. At least he got that one. JT Chargois opened for Edward Cabrera, as we knew it would happen. And Edward Cabrera won 4.2 innings of 200 runs and one hit, six walks. So in 5Ks, and I didn't even continue saying the line because it's six walks. And we saw such good command from Cabrera last time. And as I was kind of mentioning with Jose uh, Budo, yeah, normally doesn't stick around. So he gets Atlanta next year, not starting him for that. He gets uh, decent starts after, and honestly, I feel like you still do it after Atlanta. Um, don't look into the Atlanta start whatsoever. We just got to hope he doesn't have six walks, and I feel uh, I feel like you're, yeah, you're just going to kind of do it. There is a chance that Edward Cabrera does not get Atlanta. If it is a six-man for the Marlins, and we will know on Saturday, uh, Saturday or Sunday would be the day that Daniel Castano or someone else would appear Maybe Brian Hoeing, it's a, it's a uh, bullpen game or whatever. If it is a six-man, that means Edward Cabrera does not go on Sunday. That means he goes on Monday, and he has a much better two-step uh, after that. So, or two starts to end the year. And that would be lovely. That would be so good. Actually, I believe he would get three starts uh, because he would go the last weekend of the season. Maybe they don't let him do that because they don't want to push Edward Cabrera too much. At the very least, it could be a much better next start. And if that's the case, then great. So if you're thinking about moving on from Edward Cabrera because you don't want the Atlanta start, at least wait maybe another day or two to see if there is a six-man rotation or not for the Marlins. Freddie Peralta, I mean, Gallo's pull here, 20 whiffs. Ace is going to ace. It's been a crazy, ridiculous run. I think I looked it up today since like June 6th. Um, it's a 327 ERA, 0.9 whip, and a 37% K rate in tw- 17 starts. Unbelievable. Props to you for holding on to Peralta. It lo- it all felt so weird because his velocity was up and he just wasn't kind of clicking enough. He has a new changeup now, two gang strikes. That's dumb. It was supposed to be just fastballs and sliders, and then curveballs also got involved, and then now changeups too. 
I want to be so in for Peralta for next year. We'll talk about that later. I can go on a long ramble about it. There's a lot of things to think about, about health and track record and peak seasons and all of that stuff. Bailey Falter against the Nationals came through for a win. Six innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, four Ks. I, I remember actually yesterday ranking Falter and putting him in the do not start tier and maybe feeling a little uneasy about it. But I was like, no, Nick, Falter's ceiling is not very high. It was only eight whiffs. It was only 67 pitches too. It wasn't fully stretched out. And, uh, you know, the ceiling isn't worth the risk. Ceiling, well, a win and one earned run. Didn't really see that one coming with a sub one whip. So good stuff there for Falter. He really leaned into sliders and curveballs. Um, nearly 60% usage is beautiful. This is why I say all the time with guys who do not have overpowering fastballs or you don't have a sinker that you can confidently get outs with inside with same handedness. I mean, as a lefty, you're going to see a right-handed lineup anyway. So you're not really going to be able to rely on that as much as you do as a right-hander. And Falter decided to go upstairs with four seamers and sinkers exclusively. With everything else, sliders and curveballs and whatnot underneath. And that works. That is your best ticket to success for guys like Falter, who do not have good fastballs. So I got to have a term for it. I used to have it as a Stuff McNasty, as a guy who would be like a 35, 30% or 35% fastball guy. And I, I don't like that because his stuff isn't McNasty. It's just bad fastball. <laughs> so I, I got I got It's like a slow boy or um, I don't know. Uh, he's a slow ball pitcher, I guess. That might be it. I'll, I'll come up with something better. Uh, Cal Quantrill against the Giants got the win. This is a Toby against the Giants. Like, Cal Quantrill is going to go six innings whether you like it or not against bad teams. He throws sinkers inside and he lies on Babbitt with that cutter too. And he throws enough strikes with those. Like, it's not pretty. Six innings, one run, five hits, three walks, two Ks. But it gets the job done. There's your Toby. And he has a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. So we are just going to kind of continue to move with Quantrill um, and not really think too much about it. Just as a heads up here, Quantrill gets the Royals and then Baltimore Orioles and Detroit. So maybe not against the Orioles, but at the very least against the Royals and Detroit. Uh, Sean Manaya, Oh, man, I've got some things to talk about here. Dylan Cease as well. Carlos Rodon and Max Fried. So many guys to talk about. We're going to talk about all those tomorrow's games and today's games. All of that after this break. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope NY. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. Shamanaya against the Guardians. Guess what? The Giants said, you know what? No more openers. We're going to let Shaw Manaya actually start a game. Finally. I mean, we've waited since like 
April for this again, right? Minaya didn't do well at the beginning of the year. I thought he'd be doing much better because he was throwing harder and didn't work out for him. And it was incredibly frustrating. So then the Giants just went to this whole opener thing with like four starting pitchers as followers. It was so frustrating. The Giants just said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to let these guys who are on these one-year deals have their moment in the sun to actually start. At least that's what I hope is going on here. As Manaya went 5.2 innings of one earned run, two hits, two walks, and five strikeouts with 80 pitches thrown. It's about dang time, you know? And it wasn't 94-95 that got me really excited about Manaya in the spring and in April. That didn't come to, obviously, fruition. It was 92 and change, but that's still better than the 90 we've seen in previous years. So that's still an improvement. 92-93, 35% CSW with it. He executed the Blake Snell blueprint beautifully. And I'm not used to this from Sean Manaya. I'm used to seeing Sean Manaya kind of be more sporadic east-west. And this was, no, this was north-south. Which is kind of weird for a slinger like Manaya, who I assign with like Andrew Heaney, even his teammate now, Kyle Harrison and Nick Lodolo. Guys that are generally more east-west because of their lower arm angle. And it's really hard to get the timing right as opposed to someone like Giolito, who's more over the top. Okay, with me? Good. Manaya did this well with his four-seamer. Now, I didn't really love the slider in the, in the changeup, but they were down and got strikes. And this is great, except that he gets cores and the Dodgers twice. You're going to do this to us now? It's like my coach finally letting me get my one start. I was a fireman in 2009 for the Brandeis Judges. And I wanted to start so badly. So my coach let me do it one game without telling me it was a bullpen game. And it was also like 31 degree weather. So I lasted two innings. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, Nick, you're going to get the start. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm envisioning a five-inning game. It's going to be great. No, two innings because it was freezing. It was terrible. I want like 35 pitches or something. Okay. Uh, Dylan sees against the Royals, 5.1 innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts, 14 whiffs, 26% sees, W, 102 pitches. Here's why Cease is on your roster still because he's a cherry bomb for your strikeouts. I'm so glad it worked out here. Curveball was pretty much shelved. It was like nine thrown. While he went really four-seamer and slider, the slider, 13 out of 45 whiffs for 38% CSW. There you go. The four-seamer was not good command. It wasn't. The Royals just did not take advantage of it. I'm glad to see Cillin Dees. <laughs> Dylan C's come through. But he's still a cherry bomb. Nothing changes here. Max Freed against the Phillies. Five innings, one run, four hits, two walks, six Ks. Ace is gonna ace. I saw that he, in a 15-teamer, was going, I think, 5th, 6th round or something ridiculous. And I understand there is there is some injury concern about Max Reed. But come on, guys. he is He's a top 15 starter next year. And I would be so thrilled in my 12-teamers getting him 5th, 6th round. I mean, that's a, that was a 15-teamer. So to see guys like young arms going ahead of Max Reed, no, 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 no. Max Reed pitching for Atlanta is going to be a win machine with good ratios and a strong strikeout rate, and you're going to just be so happy you have Max Reed on your team next year. Um, Carlos Rodon against the Red Sox got the win. Five innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts now, eight base runners, four walks, four, K, four walks, and four hits. Okay, I get it. I get this. Rodon finally hit 96, guys. Oh, like not hit. I'm sorry. He hit 98. He sat 96. What we've seen since he returned from the IL was a lot of like 95.5, 95.3. We saw 94.3 last time. And I was just like, all right, I'm done. And I finally find this. I find this kind of funny is I think oftentimes when I see him in per- when I see pitchers in purgatory and then they dip out of it south. That is, they have like 
this middling, we don't really know how to interpret it, and then it gets really bad for a game, I generally say, well, that's okay. There you go. He, The scale's tipped in the wrong direction. We're done. It's kind of funny. There have been a lot of times where after the bad one, it's like if you want to do like a line chart, you're going to see the dip down before the massive peak coming back up, right? Think of it like a Richter scale of it being nothing, and then it goes up and down. It's way down and up, though. So is Rodon like fixed now? I can't say that he is. You know, maybe we don't see 96 next time. Uh, maybe he comes back down. But he did have 16 whiffs and 9 strikeouts. A lot more on the, the four-seamer in this one. Thank you. Uh, the curve isn't being introduced, which is not that good. 13 thrown, and it was inconsistent. But the four-seamer having an 18% swing strike rate. And with the Pirates next, you got to jump back in. This could be the thing, right? And it's a really good schedule now. The Red Sox in Fenway is also an elite offense. So to see him do this there is also really good. I'm so intrigued by this. And if Rodon is showcasing the velocity being there the rest of the way here, he's going to come at a discount next year. Why? Because of health. You're going to say, oh, injuries that he's had. He was so not there last year. If I see him doing the thing at the end of this, and what's going to happen is I'm going to be saying in the offseason, guys, he is there now. You know, this is a whole rhythm thing. And to see that his skills are not just completely gone. And then we'll be I'll be saying, like, look, He's going to be in, what, like 35th in starters or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're going to see him dominate in the spring at 96 sitting there. And he's going to jump to like the 20th starting pitcher or something like that. And then everyone's going to say that, oh, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> so like, that's why I like Carlos Rodon. I'm like, no, I like Carlos Rodon because he's had, he had two years of having fastball dominance that spoke to being one of the best pitchers in fantasy for two straight seasons. And he had this like weird reset year in the first year of a contract with an injury that messed him up. And if those skills are there, you guys get it. Okay. Uh, it's nothing to do with being on the Yankees. If anything, I would actually say it's a negative because they are not a winning team. Just to throw that out there, you know. Um, and then maybe isn't like, maybe the pressure is getting to him. Maybe he can't actually handle it. There's a lot of weird things with Carlos Rodon interacting with the Yankees fans. But I actually don't personally think that there's the thing that I think he actually has the mental fortitude. But that's just me. Maybe not. Uh, Cutter Crawford against the Yankees on the other side. It was a doubleheader, by the way, Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, 4.2 innings, one run, three hits, three walks, and seven Ks. This looked good. Um, his contemporary, Pavetta, was better. We'll get to that soon. Uh, the, the six base runner is not fun, but one run. And oh, I just wanted to go one more inning, but fine. Wouldn't have gotten the win, I don't believe. Uh, seven Ks here with seven over 27 whiffs on the curve plus sweeper. And I like the fact that Cutter Crawford is maybe going more into those breaking balls instead of just being cutters and four-seamers. I think those are actually really good pitches. It's just about getting strikes with those. And I can't just say throw it more because he needs to get strikes with them. He can't just be around a 50% strike with those, which is where what he was hovering with them, which is why he was only throwing 27 of them. But if he gets up to a 60% strike rate with that, cool. Uh, this is not enough for me to start him against the Jays. Lance Lynn against the Padres did fine and now he has a great schedule so we're just going to go with Lance Lynn and whatever um good job doing fine for those that had the brass to do that JP Sears against the Astros got the win six innings 200 runs five hits two walks three Ks that's great he gets the Mariners next and I don't want to do that he got the gold star here I don't really seeing enough across the, the repertoire to make me get really encouraged by it um he gets the Tigers and Angels for his last two so if we see good enough things from Sears then okay, we go for those, but I don't want to overextend here. 
Um, Adam Wainwright against the Orioles got the win. Why do I care? You're not doing any fantasy. He's literally the worst pitcher in ERA this year. I mean, it's we know this. This is the last year of Adam Wainwright. We just want him to get one more win. He got win 199 here. Thank you so much, Baltimore. Now he has three starts, and I kind of I kind of want him to not get in the next two. I want like 200 win watch to be an exciting game we all watch together for Wainwright, and that's gonna be so so fun. If that does happen like that, I'm all about the drama. I just hope he gets it. I truly hope he gets it. Joe Ryan against the Rays. 4.2 innings, 2 earned runs, 5 hits, 2 walks, and 7 Ks. Very disappointing because we wanted to go 6 innings or so. 102 pitches. What's going on here? First of all, it was the Rays. But honestly, his command wasn't so bad. Like, 4 seamers upstairs were great. He also did, uh, he did get splitters down. The splitters isn't good enough. It just isn't that good of a splitter, unfortunately. And then you also have a sweeper that really isn't doing a whole lot. I think in the offseason, we're going to have to rely on driveline because Joe Ryan's a driveline guy. I don't think it's the Twins. I think it's driveline. And we're going to have to figure that out. The velocity is good. Like, the best part of Joe Ryan is better than ever this year. It's just about finding a number two that is consistent. I think, personally, it's a cutter. I think finding a cutter that he can throw in the zone for strikes is a better solution for Joe Ryan, because clearly he just can't do the gyro slider. I wish he could do the gyro slider. Generally, when I see four-seamer guys, I don't want to see sweepers. I want to see playing the north-south game, not the north and then horizontal game. So I want to see I want to see cutters that are just kind of playing with that extra people that are thinking that's a four-seamer that comes off of it. And then I want to see the gyro slider. That's just me. But maybe he's not good at it. Um, and gyro slider is the vertical one. Just think like sweepers and gyro sliders are really the two. Sometimes you get like the... Uh, more slurvy, I hate using that term, but the more actual proper diagonal slider. Um, but I want it to be a gyro one. Anyway, Louis Varland was in the the pen after this. 97.5 on his fastball with cutters as well. And if he gets a chance to jo- join the rotation next year, there might be something there with Louis Varland. I mean, I, I really do think that he has potential. He's more of a two-pitch guy, but the four-seamer is good enough that it does does break the uh, the Wasker rule. Right? He would have two good pitches, and that would be fine with me. I'm going to keep my eye on him for the offseason. Uh, Randy Vasquez and Johnny Burrito both win the same game, which is kind of funny. It's like the Spider-Man meme for me. Both of them win this, and you don't want to start either one. Okay. Uh, Joey Wentz went against the uh, the Reds, followed by Bo Brisky. None of these guys uh, did anything. Hold on. Nothing. Zach Littell had eight strikeouts, 300 runs in seven innings, five hits, and zero walks. You're really happy with this if you went for him. But in traditional Littell fashion, didn't get the win. He just can't steal a win. He was supposed to be like the cheap win guy out of nowhere for the Rays, and he just can't do it. I'm glad that you had something here for it. He got a lot of strikes with splitters and sweepers with a really good slider as well. Um, I don't really think he pitched that great. It was it was like over the plate a ton for everything. And the sl- slider was better. It wasn't hung as much, but like it wasn't pristine Blakesdown blueprint or anything like that. So this is too Littell, too late. Yeah, I know it's not little, it's Littell, but just let me have it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going long on this one. It's fine. You guys are enjoying this, I hope. Hopefully, you listen to these on two times speed. I, I don't think I'm that quick of a talker, am I? I don't know. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu against the Rangers. Six innings, 300 runs, five hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. Um, went against the Rangers. Poor quality start. Fine, we'll take it. He's a Toby now moving forward. You've you made it. If you've had Ryu through the entire year or whatever, he's at the point that he's no longer a Toby. He's actually a guy you're just starting, and that's cool. Uh, Nick Pavetta against the Yankees. Ten strikeouts, three-yard runs, and 5.1 innings, five base runners. That's really cool. 
This was a fantastic BS beam. That is the Blake Snell blueprint from Pavetta. It's what we want to see. The slider is back and looking good. He gets the Jays no, though. And um, if you want to hold on to that for the White Sox after, I get it. But Pavetta is still Cherry Bomb-esque. So I don't really think that's worthwhile. If you are chasing strikeouts, then okay, I, I get it. Uh, Chris Flexen, no. John Means, uh, I do want to talk about. But I want to go through everybody else beforehand just because, I mean, there are a lot of... Actually, let's go after John Means now. It's against the, the Cardinals, I can rant a long time about this. In short, it was not the John Means I remember. 92 or so. 92, 93 on the, on the fastball. Not really 93, 94. Not really pushing that to get excited, which is a little frustrating. I know it's coming back from Tommy John, and you think, okay, he needs time to ramp up, but he's had a month in rehab. And I don't really think that we're going to get more moving forward. Now, it was 91 and change in the previous start in AAA, so maybe he is adding more to the tank now. And it was 75 pitches. It should be closer to 85 next time. I'm surprised it was only 75, honestly, but maybe they just wanted to cash this one in and move on. Um, the changeup is not getting low, which is unfortunate. And the slider and curve are fine, but they're not really the game changers. I remember actually being super in on means because I thought those slider and changeups, sorry, and curveballs would be better in 2022 and of course Tommy John just kind of put a stint to all of that or not a stint a stunted all of that but I uh, yeah I'm not really seeing like the exciting John Means now he gets the Astros so we're not going to do that uh, I'm going to hopefully see more from him that gets me encouraged the Guardians after I'm fine with think of him as a Toby after the Astros start for two games so that's where we're at with John Means it's fine it's just yeah don't start him against the Astros and you don't really need to Go and stash him for those last two starts. Cool. You want to don against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're not going to do that. His whip in this game was higher than Bryce Elder's season-long ERA. That is, it was a 3.5 with uh, 14 base runners, 8 hits and 6 walks in 4 innings. That's just absurd. Javier Assad in cores did not have his cutter, and it stinks. I hate this. 44% strike rate across 27th throw. Assad is only good because of his cutter. I mean, also, the sinker is good enough to support it, but it's about the cutter. Two straight starts now without having the cutter. Now he gets the Pirates. Good luck. Two starts is not a definitive thing. Uh, so it could come back, but doesn't feel good right now. Justin Verlander against the Athletics. Seven innings, five and runs. I know you're really upset about it. You just kind of start it and that's that. Patrick Sandoval just can't do it. You just don't. You just can't do it. Five and runs and five innings. Ten hits, zero walks, four Ks. Yep. Nope. Brandon Williamson did not come through against the Tigers. He has a good schedule the rest of the way. Um, you know, but it is the Twins next. And honestly, I'm going to take that one off because... Velocity was down two ticks from the 94 that we saw that got really excited. If you remember Brandon Williamson, he wasn't much of a consideration. Then all of a sudden, he's throwing 94 instead of 92. And good fastball cutter command. And then he added a changeup to really push him over the edge to make him this really, really nice Toby, arguably in Holly. But then he had COVID IL for two weeks. And he came back here, and I thought, you know what? Maybe he's in the questionable start tier, but I raised him up yesterday saying, you know what? Maybe he was throwing between it, and I don't really want to put too much on this whole still ill thing and all of that and nope he was actually everything I was concerned about which is just no velocity and no command and the changeup was not nearly what it was so we're back to square one now it could be one that's just kind of shake off the rust and he's fine you know the golden buddha underneath the uh the clay uh but I don't want to do it against the Twins. We just see how it works against the Twins, and then if that's fine, then we go back for the other starts. Okay, cool. Brady Singer is not what he wanted to be. He's a cherry bomb. Did not do well against the White Sox for the second straight start, so we don't do that. Zach Wheeler against Atlanta. I know. I thought it was going to be good, guys. And he actually was for four innings, and then the fifth inning was horrific. Five earned runs in that one. Now he gets them again. I'm doing it. End of probable start. Okay, cool. Good luck. If you don't want to do it, I don't blame you, but it's more about Atlanta than Wheeler, but Wheeler 
can do this, you know, and it can be very productive for you. Um, so if considered a cherry bomb start, then okay. Ryan Nelson, I guess the top of questionable then? No, I'm going to do it, so it's end of probable. Well, you get it. Ryan Nelson against the Mets is not doing what we want him to do. Um, the slider was better through 25% usage of them for 45% CSW. The four-seamer wasn't very good, even though it was elevated. I just don't think he's the sneaky play we want, and it's not a uh, good schedule the rest of the way. Jordan Lyles, don't do it. Tuki Desant, do not do it. And Michael Walker got his one bad start of the Dodgers out of the way, and now we start him for the rest of it. I know uh, you're frustrated, but it was one to two ticks up and everything, and it was, it was you know... The, uh, the Dodgers, whatever, move on. Finally, looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. We got there. There's so many interesting things to talk about there. Uh, Spencer Strider, Luis Castillo, Zach Gallenbeck. Now you're starting all of those. You say Kikuchi, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Logan Allen, Hunter Brown, and Clark Schmidt are all in that probable start tier. Honestly, you could say that Kikuchi could be in the auto start tier if you want. But yeah, I'm starting Clark Schmidt against the, the Red Sox. I know. I, I went back and forth on this. At the end of the day, Clark Schmidt has been gold. His cutter, sorry, his curveball and his sweeper have been really nice. Cutter has been working out as well, too. He's good using his sinker sparingly to jam right-handers. I think he's in a very good place, and I'm just going to go for it. And even though it's an elite offense in Fenway for the Red Sox, I think his skills outweigh it that if I have Clark Schmidt, I'm going for it. Questionable start here. You have a very interesting situation. I might be a little too aggressive on Connor Phillips as my stream pick of the day, but it is the Tigers. And I liked what I saw with 97-mile-per-hour fastballs with a really good breaking ball. And I feel like this is a sneaky start, but I might be overrating it because it's sneaky. And maybe someone like Mike Clevenger, who's gone two of his last three excelling against weak opponents, did not do well against the Athletics. I understand that. But it's the Royals, and that could come through. I just see him as a cherry bomb in general, and I just don't want to do it. Also, I just don't like the person, but that shouldn't change these rankings. That's just me personally. Um... I understand people are more comfortable with Clevenger. I get that. Uh, Taj Bradley against the Twins is also here. He's just a pure cherry bomb based on his own command. I don't know what we're going to get. It's not really about the Twins. It's more about Taj Bradley. Uh, He's more opponent agnostic than others. Braxton Garrett had better cutter command, but I don't really think the ceiling is that high at the moment as he gets the Brewers. Jordan Montgomery is a very questionable game because it's the Jays, and he hasn't been locked in with curveballs, changeups, and sinkers for a bit. His ceiling isn't that high, by the way, too, with what he does. Cal Harrison is complete cherry bomb against the Guardians. Just throwing enough strikes, please. Uh, Cal Gibson against the Colonels is the poster boy for cherry bomb. Ryan Pepio gets the Padres. It's up to you guys. You want to start him after this. So if you want to start him here, too, by all means, do whatever you want to do. You're starting him after it. So if you have him on your squad and you say, eh, whatever, screw it, I get it. Uh, Tanner Houck against the, the Yankees. He bra- he is the Wasker Noah rule. Does he break it? I don't know how to say this. Follow the Wasker Noah rule. For the most part, because he has a really good slider and the splitter and the sinkers are not that good. Uh, now, is he two pitch because of the splitter? It's kind of teetering on it to me. It's kind of really just fastballs and the slider, so I don't want to do it. But the Wasker Noah rule is more about long term success, and they are cherry bombs. So thus, Hauk is a cherry bomb here. Do not start tier. You have Alec Marsh with an opener. Maybe there's some strikeout upside there, but I don't want to do that against the White Sox. Colin Ray maybe can make it work against the Marlins, but not for me. Jameson Tyone, I really do like a lot of the things that he's working on, but it's cores, and I think that's just too risky. Joey Lucchese, maybe the Churv is good enough against the Diamondbacks. Not for me. Christopher Sanchez, look, there's an opportunity here for Sanchez, as he has done well. He's a very efficient pitcher, but it's Atlanta. I can't do that. Uh, Paul Blackburn against the Astros. There's an outside chance, of course, of that working. Dallas Keiko looked as good as I've seen him last time out with sliders going six for 13 whiffs and doing the neckbeard approach, except it was just really one mutton chop because it was all on one side of the plate and then on the other. But uh, actually, no, I'm thinking of someone else. That was a, that was Jordan Wicks. 
Dallas Keigel actually did the neckbeard approach like his former self. So maybe this does work against the Rays, but no, thank you. Jackson Rutledge is making his MLB debut. Apparently he's been compared uh, to Nate Pearson by prospect guys. I don't, I mean, my, that was, that was just what someone was telling me. Um, personally, I looked him up on Savant as I do, which is really nice that AAA data exists now for, uh, stack has that exists for my, um, for AAA. That's a terrible sentence. Um, I looked him up 95 to 96 in his last start with a sinker. Uh, slider was the main pitch. It was a good command down and glove side, which is what you want to see. But everything else, not really that much. You want to see changes more low and not really there. Four seamers were scattered around. Sinker wasn't as uh, arm side as I want it to be. And at the end of the day, if you just look at the AAA numbers, it's a 20% strikeout rate with a sub 10% swinging strike rate, which kind of tells me the slider is more of a strike pitch than a filthy put away offering. His velocity is more about uh, the sinker inducing weak contact than actually missing bats. Not really fun, but it could work against the Pirates. Uh, I'm not going to rule that out because MLB debuts are always weird for the floors and stuff. But at this point, you're chasing any sort of ceiling. And Jackson Rutledge, to me, is more so than Drew Rahm, Ty Block, Queen Priester, and, of course, the Angels bullpen. All right, looking forward to tomorrow's games. We have Kevin Gosman, Merrill Kelly, Kyle Bradish, Kodai Senga, and Yuri Perez against um, weak opponents, save for Gosman, and you're going to do that one. Probable starts here is Kenta Maeda against the White Sox. I imagine a lot of you are just going to put him in auto anyway. I get that. But he hasn't really been his sharp self for a good amount of time. The last two starts have been better with the slider and the splitter, but they aren't the most dominating. And it is the White Sox, so you're probably going to do it. But I do recognize there is like a five-inning, 300-run floor here or something that I'm like, uh, okay. Logan Webb is in cores. It's cores, but they're not as strong. I keep saying that, but you understand. And Logan Webb could make this work with changeups and sinkers and the whole stick that we know. Uh, Mitch Keller against the Nationals did terribly against Atlanta, but he was so hot beforehand, and this is the Nationals, so I think we're going to do that. You have Michael King and Reese Olsen. Uh, Michael King against the against the Red Sox in Fenway. He's been so hot that we're going to do this, I think. Uh, sinkers are good. Sweepers are good. Um, changeup is good. Like He's got a really nice approach. I really dig this. He stretched out enough. I think you're going to do it. Reese Olsen, really good slider. If, as long as he gets his fastballs inside, he should be fine. And if the changeup is also there, getting whiffs underneath against the Reds inside of Detroit, this could be really nice and a solid streaming option. Uh, then Aaron Savali against the Orioles uh, is fine. Uh, he's not going to be a 12 strikeout guy. Uh, again, like he was two starts ago. We just saw him against the Mariners be whatever. It was. Essentially, the approach they have with 12 strikeouts is not going to be replicated because it's just really hard to be that precise consistently. But this is in Baltimore, which has that giant wall on left, and I feel like that just makes it a decent enough start that you're going to do it. Questionable start is just one guy. It's Adrian Hauser in this uh, small slate of just nine games on Thursday. As Adrian Hauser, look, I get it. Like, he can go five, six innings just chucking those fastballs against the Marlins, and that's fine. I don't want to do it, but I get that there is an opportunity there. Do not start here is Josiah Gray against the Pirates. I just feel like the ceiling is so hard to reach for him. But hey, if sliders and curveballs are good enough and he has a chance to go six innings, maybe that does work. Nathan Evaldi, I don't think he has a high enough pitch count. I think his velocity was at 94. Well, I don't think he was at 94. And I think that that's not good enough. And it's the Jays, so I don't want to do it. I'm so excited that Garrett Whitlock is in the rotation now. He's going to be on a pitch count. He's been in relief. However, if it's like 60 pitches here, I'm really excited for the next one. Because that means he's a 70-75. And that's all of a sudden instantly viable. 
um, which could be very interesting, especially if the whites, uh, the, sorry, the Red Sox are doing a six man with this. That means he has two good matchups after this. Oh, I'm going to be watching this one, but we don't want to go for this one, right? It should probably be like four innings or something like that. Chase Anderson against the Giants in Coors. No, thank you. Ben Lively, is he going to throw like 45, 40% plus sliders for whiffs? I hope so against the Tigers, but I doubt it. And then Jose Arrhenia is on the other side and we never start Jose Arrhenia. Oh man, 34 minutes. Look at that, guys. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of these through the offseason, too. So make sure you subscribe to them. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of season previews, all that kind of stuff. And make sure you watch this on playback. If you made it this far, you guys are the real ones. And if you're not inside of our PL Plus Discord, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you clearly care about this. And you get all the extra information. It's the best ways to support us. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. You guys are the best. That is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babs be low and your strikeouts high.